you got to keep the big picture that, hey, we're changing the world. We're changing the world. If you want to be taken seriously, you have to be consistent. We're speaking with people that are sending a pulse to their industry. Pulse Welcome to, their to industry. Electric People. We have Dave Madsen on the show. Check out Tim Ballard. Jeff Curl. Sheckler. Kenzie Watts. The League presents Electric People. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Electric People. We're honored today to have Caitlin Axton, who is one of our district managers in our Connecticut office. So Caitlin's been with us. What year did you start, Caitlin? It's actually, it's been, uh, things are coming uh, full circle. It's been four years. Four so years like, since uh, you January started. 2017. That's Although awesome. I didn't really start knocking, I think, until like late February, March. Caitlin is so. quickly approaching 400 career installs. I would say 300. 300 career sorry. 300 <laughs> career Take installs. Take the extra 100. But no, thank you. Yeah. Just, just roll with it, yeah. I'm up there with Dave Yates. Um, and uh, she, last year in 2020, was the second highest female earner on the East Coast. Nice. Uh, so on the entire East Coast, which... I'm not going to say how much she made, but it was a staggering amount of money. So well, I noticed the power move she did. So we're sitting at Adam's house today, and uh, she pulls up in her Tesla, opens your garage, and plugs straight into your house. <laughs> power move. She's like, you didn't even ask. I'm going to get this charge while I'm at it. So. Yeah. No, I texted him. He actually inspired me to get the car, so I All knew right. he had the, the charging part. So I was uh, approaching 5%. I get nervous when I go below that. So now, Caitlin, um, you started with us. Your your Dan is your younger brother, mm-hmm. and Dan actually worked for us before you did. Yeah, he started in 2015, so almost like two years ahead of me. Yeah, and Dan is a formidable sales rep himself at times. Yeah, uh, he gets. Uh, I would say uh, loves to live life, and I would say maybe gets distracted at times. He loves state parks, so he's always like climbing a mountain somewhere. But um, he works hard. Yeah, you know he's uh, he's taught me a lot. I wouldn't be where I am without him. So for sure. Well, I was going to ask you: Is it true that what gave you the confidence that you could do this job is that you saw your brother doing it? Yeah. So when he told me that he was knocking doors, I judged him. I was like, "You're going to go door to door and." I saw the change in him, not just like a financial change, but he was reading self-help books and listening to audio. And I was like, who is this person? And he just became a better version of himself. And then I remember I was going into the chiropractor and Josh Jones at the time was also going to the same chiropractor and he came out in all his uh, Vivin gear. And so I was like, oh, Vivin, my brother works for Vivin. And so we made the correlation and uh, he just seemed like a professional guy. So, and then I go to the gym and, and see other people that worked for Vivin, and they just seemed like all upstanding guys. Where was this? This was in uh, North Haven, like the Hamden area. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, but then he, I think he wanted to win the MacBook that you guys are having some kind of competition. So that was he, like a recruiting thing back then. Yeah. The, yeah. And so he recruited me, one other person, and I don't think he thought that you know I would do well, but I won him the. MacBook. So there you go. that was it. But I went to one meeting and I fell in love with the culture. It didn't really feel like a meeting. It was like a lot of fun. You know, you always feel like a better person when you leave Vivint meetings. What were you doing before this? So I was a public health major. So I was working in the public health department and I was also um, managing and working in restaurants at night, which I was making more money doing than the degree that I actually had. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was kind of getting... I was miserable at both, and I was looking into going to, into pharmaceutical or medical supply sales just because of the whole public health thing. But you needed sales experience, and I also didn't really um, think selling drugs to people was, you know, people do need certain medications, but I didn't really believe in it um, as much as solar and what we're selling is is helpful to people. And so, but that's what I was in before, and I was like trying to climb the ladder. In a sense, um, the goal was to be like a director of a health department. And there's only so many of those jobs, though. So I feel with Vivin, everybody's trying to get you to the next level because there's so much growth where there's only so many towns with so many health departments. And so I feel like everybody was kind of pushing each other down to get to that position. Mm. That's how I felt anyways. And like not to knock anybody, but I felt like there wasn't like Adam, everyone's trying to uplift you into 
you know, the next stratosphere there, I felt a little stifled and just wasn't happy. Yeah, that is a unique thing, I think, with, with the direct sales culture. I was on a recruiting call the other day and I was talking to this, this particular rep. He's a really high producer in his industry. Yeah. And he was saying, he's like, he kept asking me questions about things for like, you know, personal income and opportunity and stuff. And we kind of stopped the conversation. I was like, look, we need more leaders like now, like we need people to come in and I need you to grow and I need you to run a team. That's what yeah. I need. You know? And I, I think that that's one of the things that attracted me too, is mm-hmm. it's like, we don't want people to come in and stay down. We need them to get up and to move up into levels of, of leadership like as soon as possible. I, it's, it's weird because I've been doing this for so long to think that not every job is like that, you know? Yeah, every other job that I've ever had, there was always somebody that was just trying to get to the next level and they would step on other people to get there. It mm-hmm. didn't matter if it was like a shift at a restaurant or if it was like to be the director of a health department um, or even when I used to like lifeguard back in high school to get to the... I guess the person in charge position. There was just somebody trying to get like the better shift or the, the better position. But here, um, I remember my first install, I had a cruise plan before I even started this job and Adam sent me a text message and said, congratulations on your first install. And I was like, this company is amazing. It made me want to come home and work that much harder. I was like, the vice president is reaching out to me and I felt, you know, kind of like a bum because I was on this vacation and I, <laughs> I didn't schedule my install. So I was like, this is, but it makes you want to work harder when people are appreciative of what you're doing and you believe in what you're doing. So yeah, Caitlin's one of my favorite people that I work with and um, every, it seems like every single retreat or company vacation or whatever, I feel like you and I always end up hanging out for a lot of the trips and she's just a ton of fun. But um she some stuff that you don't know about Caitlin is uh she's a very very good athlete um excellent skier um good golfer uh she was a d1 athlete in college um for rowing I know you can't tell now the camera adds a lot of weight no I'm just kidding but uh (laughs) I have uh I did have back surgery in 2018 because of a rowing injury and then you know I got into a relationship and with this job, sometimes I work late and don't make the right decisions, but I used to be in really good shape. <laughs> but I'm trying to get back there, but yeah. Rowan's the big East Coast thing. edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to keep it. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, rowing is a big East Coast yeah. thing. When I first moved out here, I would see these big rivers going through the cities. And in the mornings, it's such a beautiful thing when you're driving and you see like these teams just rowing down the rivers. Like I remember pulling over and just watching for like half an hour one day. Mm. And I was just like, this is incredible. And like the leaves on the river. So I think it's pretty cool that that's something that you did in college. How did you get into it? And what like what what experience rowing, for, um, that, for that rowing experience, how do you feel like it's helped translate into your success today as well? Well, the endurance factor, <clears throat> right? You have to be very disciplined. Um, and so that's something that I think I got from my parents very young um, and they always put me like I was always a swimmer I was always on swim teams from I think the age four to like my senior year and I did I did well with that but swimming is kind of one of those like lonesome sports like you're by yourself um, so rowing you're kind of part of something like you're one unit and um, you have to be like in sync and so there's that motion of when everybody's rowing together it it, you can't really explain it. It just feels like you're part of something else and um, like part of nature almost because you're like on the water and you're just moving so gracefully. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was a really big swimmer. They um, opened the Saugatuck Rowing Club in Westport and they came to local schools in Connecticut and it was a club at the time. And I had, I was on the golf team, the JV team. I wasn't like I'm not the greatest golfer is Adam. He has to teach me how to drive the Neither is Adam, ball. so that's okay. No, I've, I've seen him. I've seen him. He's pretty good. So, but yeah. <laughs> this is why I love Kate. Yeah. She always makes me feel no, so good. No, do you good. see his Instagram drive? You just let me see one down. good shot. I yeah. post one good. That took 50 takes to get no, the one good shot. No, you post the bad ones, too, where you completely miss. I, that's what I, you know, honest, so... Yeah, it is funny on your Instagram feed that once a month you'll go to Top Golf, golf and like lick a couple missiles off the top, off the top row. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, love that's, Top that's, Golf, and everyone thinks so he's amazing. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I just show one couple drive. long bombs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyways, to to wrap up your question, um, 
So they came around. It was something that I always wanted to do. I was always in uh, kayaking competitions every summer where my grandparents had a house and I'd like beat the grown men like at like 10 or 12 because I think it was just the upper body strength from swimming. And so I did it um, just for like a summer camp and it was like August of 2001 and then I had to go back to swimming and for the fall and it was my senior year and I remember the coach saying you can't you can't leave you have to do both and I was like how am I supposed to do both so I would I'd get up at like five in the morning go rowing then I'd go to school leave school go rowing then leave drive home and then go to swim practice and then sometimes go to the gym with my brother and lift weights afterwards I was like in really superb shape but I was enjoying it and um, how old were you then Is it was like the- I was 18 yeah but from August to October um my Sharon Chris, shout out to her she put me on the U.S. uh rowing board so all these scouts um, and coaches were looking at my scores so I think um and this is just like in the 18 year old category but I was I placed like seventh in the nation at that time and I think 13th in the world and then first in Connecticut which is a small state but wow. so I, all these big universities were so I was going on all these recruiting trips and I went to Northeastern University um on scholarship and so I rode up there and as Adam was saying it's absolutely amazing when you get to see like the sun come up over Boston where like the science museum is because you basically row backwards so I could see it and mm. I, I just thought I was so lucky I didn't really like getting up at 4 30 in the morning but when you do get up that early you get to experience a lot more of the day so in that regards I miss it but yeah I think that kind of created the discipline that I have now just that hard mm. work well on a lighter note my favorite thing Caitlin does is whenever we have like these leadership retreats, whatever, when we're looking at Airbnbs, we always find like a huge Airbnb to do mm-hmm. these leadership retreats. And my assistant Casey, I always tell her one requirement that has to be at every one of these retreats is a piano. Oh. And uh, because Caitlin is an incredible pianist and- um, How do you have time for all this stuff? The the best thing that she does is after after Caitlin. So usually it's unprompted, and it's usually after Caitlin's had a couple drinks. Like we've winded down for the night, and everyone's just kind of hanging out. Caitlin will have a couple drinks, and then the piano is a magnet to her, and she'll just meander over. Next thing you know, she'll be in a room by herself, and the piano just explodes. So this happened one time. Um, we, were, we, we were at the was the factory. Was it yeah. the foundry at that time? And so it was like me and a bunch of other people that were going for a training to possibly become a district manager. And there was just like this beautiful piano, like the nice one of the nicest pianos. It was just like every note just sounded amazing. It made me sound better than I actually am. But it was like this huge stone fireplace and everybody was hanging out over here. And the, the piano was almost in um, like this library little nook room. So I was like, OK, no one's around. And as Adam said, it was like the last night there. So everybody was you know, having a good time. But I sat down and was playing my song. And then I I look up and there's just like all these people around recording. And then the next day I get all these, (laughs) uh, yeah, I get all these videos and I'm like, oh no. Because you hear things like when you're playing, I'm definitely not the best piano player, but there's like this one song that I wrote that I always like to jam out to, but I'm like, oh no, this is so embarrassing. And so ever since then, he's always like, make you make me do these duels against other people that are like better, <laughs> like played for their church and like. I'm like the parents, yeah. like, no, Caitlin, get on the piano. Do, do the, the one piano thing, thing, Caitlin. Yeah, yeah and then like, he takes a vote at the end, like who's better? I think I lost last time to like, Peyton Yates. Peyton Yates, yeah. <laughs> he Peyton was pretty beater. good though. Peyton's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, so I was like, thanks Adam. <laughs> so what did but you, it's all good fun. When you when you came into selling, what did you what was it like when you first started? What did you struggle with? And was it did you take to it really naturally or was it harder than you anticipated? Well, I shot out my brother a few times, like in these crazy snowstorms, and I was like, We can't just go knock on this person's door. And he's like, Yeah, we can. And it wasn't a really big deal. You're just having um, conversations with people. And so when I saw that it was just normal and people were actually really nice, and I was like, well, that's not that bad. Um, of course, the first time I went to knock on a door, I was stuttering and like, you know, nervous and I got through it. Um, but now it's just like people are just people like they shouldn't make you nervous. Like you're just going to talk to people and explaining like a wonderful product that's going to save them money. Um, so that part, I think, came naturally for me. Um, I think the where I struggled 
was closing because I didn't know how to, I never had any sales experience. And Mm -hmm. so I was literally waiting for people to be like, what's the next step? And so, um, but that was my fault. I wasn't like prepared. I didn't have enough training. And then once I finally honed in on it and I just created my own presentation and um, a lot of the questions people would ask me, I would create like a slide just based on like any kind of objection. So I would have like a visual for them if somebody asked it again. Was there a light bulb moment for you where I think a lot of reps struggle with that, where they're, you know, you're leading a customer down this windy path, mm-hmm. but they don't, they don't know how to like, or win, or they don't have that instinct in them to like know kind of when to close, you know, and I, I actually don't like that word, like they got closed or whatever. It's more, but you do have a feel for when yeah. it's time to like, move the customer to the next phase of the sale or the next phase of the process. Mm -hmm. Was there a light bulb moment for you where you're like, I got to stop doing that and I got to start doing this? It was just about visualization, I think, like knowing that you can do it and going in with the confidence that this is like good for them. And it's also just going to the next step. So I don't know if their home's going to qualify. There's still a lot of steps left in the process. And so just taking one step at a time was like a huge thing. Like Mm -hmm. I thought um, I'd explain everything. And now it's just kind of like this is the process and this is just the beginning of it and informing them. So you're like narrating the process for the customer. And then the close per se is almost more of the takeaway. Like, hey, here's where we're at in the process. I'm not sure if you're going to qualify. We have to wait until this happens. You know, the closing with this job is different because it's not really until the glass is on the roof. Like, people could cancel at any time. So you kind of have to, that's another thing, is stay engaged with them throughout the process and make sure you're following up and not letting them, like, stay in the dark. And so that was something I wasn't doing either. I wasn't following up with my customers. And um, now I just keep better notes of, like, where they are. And anytime I get, like, an email associated with their account, I'll text, I'll call. And so just to have that rapport with them is really important from like beginning to end. So my problem, I think I was like, just thought that was it, the close, and it's really not. Yeah, it's um, interesting. I think it's a, a lot process. Of, yeah, sorry to cut you off. I feel no, like fine. a lot of people don't, it's weird how many salespeople don't do the selling part. They do like the telling part, right? Where they, they'll like go to the door and they'll talk to them and then they'll come back with a proposal and they'll tell them stuff. But they don't necessarily like my light bulb for me mm-hmm. when I first started selling, I started in security was I would go and I would tell them, but then I realized like, Hey, if this is going to get done, it's going to be me that does it. Like I have to move you. And so the stuff like asking the leading questions and the stuff like transitioning to the next step and the stuff like, you know, you said you created a presentation with the slide that's, you know, in anticipation of something that they might bring up. That's selling, but I'll bet you probably if we had to take like a poll of our company versus how many people actually get in there and sell, it's probably 20 to 30%. The rest of the people, they do the job and they show up, but they almost expect the customer to work, right? Like the customer is not going to do work. Like you're, this is a service, right? That Mm -hmm. we provide people. And I think that that's, I don't know if you have any experience with, with that like type of a mindset, but there's a real transition from when somebody starts actually having success in controlling the process and leading it versus hoping I get lucky today and hoping someone does it. Exactly. There's so many times where people are like, I need to read this over. I need to do this. And then I'm like, that's why we're sending it to you right now. You have plenty of time to read it over. Everything's fully transparent. I'm just explaining it to you and then sending it out to you. Um, So I think at at first, when I first started this job, I was like kind of over explaining, but I think everything is like in language and simplifying things and asking those questions um, and then explaining the process of like, hey, we just need to get you to the next step and, and making it simple for them. So, yeah. yeah. It's always fascinated me that, that somebody can have a different result with the same person. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, it's like, you know, you could go through a neighborhood where somebody didn't do as good of a job mm-hmm. and somebody else can go in and sell three times the volume to the same people at about the same time same exact product, same price, same everything. And the difference is the, the agent, right? The, 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 the seller, the individual. And when I, when I first started realizing that, I was like, oh, I can change things, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I'm prepared and if I'm, you know, incur- if I'm selling, right? But most people don't ever get in there. They feel like they're, they feel like they're at the mercy 
kind of of the customer instead of like having control in they're the just process. trying to find laydowns instead of actually selling which yeah if you look at the market now we're three to five percent saturated so you know looking at like an adoption curve the 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 innovators are now gone that's three percent of the population so now we have to get in there and we've got to convince like the early majority and the late majority and all those people and get yeah. them through the process you know well, you're selling yourself too. And I think people understand when you're genuine. So I try to really just build a relationship and listen to them and about their needs and their family. And I think then that builds trust. And then from there, they'll trust the process more where, you know, I think everyone else is just trying to get them to sign as many people as possible. But if you treat that customer really well, then they'll give you referrals, which has been a huge part of like my business too. Since then, I've learned actually a lot from Adam and the whole referral. How, how much of your sales are referrals? Um, well, everything that I, all of my business has been from going door to door. Like I only sold, um, my one cousin and he was like, uh, my one nightmare account. Dude, <laughs> isn't it? No, Peter it's always like that. It's always <laughs> no, like I'm that. Just kidding. He's great. But, um, freaking Peter. But uh, no, no, he, no, he's great. No. He's just the only one that ever had the, the snowfall on his, like, um, he was out doing yard work and you know, oh, if it's really? warm and he called me up. It, like slid off the panels yeah. onto like his kid, not funny. No, it like onto him. He was like, "You're lucky I was wearing my sweatshirt." It was so funny. Um, no, we so- always get. By the way, this isn't like a West Coast concern you get, right? right? But we get this concern all the time. Well, what happens if like the snow falls off the panels or whatever? And I'm like, you know, we've only had six people die in the last couple of years. It's really not that. When you consider how many customers <laughs> we have, it's not that big of a deal, you know. And then I just sort of deadpan it, and they're like really and i'm like no it's not like it's not an issue yeah you know, yeah so. it doesn't doesn't happen but he he does in his defense he does a lot of yard work so he's out there more than <laughs> most people he's just doing yard work in yeah, the snow he's a beautiful home um i totally like went on a tangent with that but um oh so my uh my f- referral base i would say is like it's like half and half now but oh, yeah, everything that all those referrals came from like knocking doors so mm-hmm. But you get 50% yeah, of your sales. Law, of the, harvest, no. law yeah. of the harvest has paid off you. Or you you started out strictly knocking and now it's developed into half mm-hmm. your business. And, and that's what happened like in COVID. I had all these people that I was going to need to call and follow up with. And so it was a blessing because I had put that work in. So I think I saw a lot of people that were new starting off and it was a little more challenging because they didn't lay that foundation. But it's like any business. Like if you were to start your own business, you have to build a clientele and a base. So you have to start somewhere. Mm. And so I wanted to ask you, um, Tam, change gears a little bit. So you're a female leader in a very male dominant company. Um, Well, especially the sales force, the outside sales force, our corporate headquarters, I would say is, you know, it's just like much like any other company, but um, outside sales, field sales generally attracts uh, men. And I think a lot of women just don't like the idea of going door to door, you know, um, but you're uh, you've become a leader in the company mm. and especially on the East Coast. What what barrier or what significant barriers do you feel like there were to becoming a female leader? I mean, and I feel like you guys really just laid out the red carpet. I I feel very blessed, and I know a lot of the female leaderships feel that way too. Um, they did that whole Nike shoe with the females, and that made us feel like very, very important. It was like pretty, pretty cool the way you guys edited it and everything. But um, I like personally like hanging out with guys because they're a lot of fun. Like I've always been like really athletic. So you guys always do like really fun things. Like even if it is a conference, it's just every, I don't ever feel, even when I was at the Utah um, factory thing, I was the only female there and I didn't feel out of place. It was, um, but that's just me. Um, Sometimes I I think I struggle and I think this is just me personally because I've seen other females get past this, but um, when I like put my opinion in and then if I'm not, if I'm too nice and I don't like say it again or state it again, sometimes it will be overlooked. But I think if you keep proving yourself and you just work hard and your numbers speak for themselves, people just respect you. And you guys have been wonderful as far as that. So um, I really haven't found a whole lot of barriers here. If anything, it's just been an overwhelming um, level of support 
Yeah, I don't so, know why there's not. We're, we're getting more now. We have more yeah. more females yeah, that come into the job ever. now, and we have more females that are kind of starting to dominate the ranks. But I I don't think that I could really look at it and say why there aren't more female leaders. It's not like it's you know a lot of the strengths that naturally come with like women doing the job that it actually like lends itself to a very comfortable sale. It's not like we're in a lot of dangerous situations. It's not like, you know what I mean? Like it's, I almost feel like it's kind of like traditionally been a male thing, but for no real reason other than you, that's how it's been. You do you know? think it has, I, I mean, something that's a concern for me. And again, this is probably just in my head, but it's the, a safety factor of going door to door. Do yeah. you, have you felt that? Or I guess maybe what would your message be to, any woman who's considering coming and joining us, but that's one of her apprehensions. Yeah, I recruited a, a woman once. She was like my waitress, and she had a similar story to mine, like trying to find a job like in the public health field. And I was like, this job is amazing. And then she just didn't feel safe, and nothing had to like happen to her. But with me, like again, I've just always been kind of fearless when it comes to human interaction because. Most uh, people are very nice. And honestly, a lot of the psychopaths, you can tell if somebody's like off, like you're knocking the door, like they're not letting you in anyway. It's like, yeah. you could just, like, I've just never been in an uncomfortable situation like that. It's usually just very nice family oriented people. But it also could be, I, um, you know, usually where we're knocking, they're like family homes. It's not, I've, I've just never felt uncomfortable. But I could see how maybe how other people can perceive it that way. But yeah. well, I like the idea haven't. of it is, but the reality of it isn't like I've done this now. This is my what 18th year or something knocking doors. And I've had like a couple situations that were pretty weird, like two, I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands yeah. of doors and thousands mm -hmm. of dinner tables and interactions and things like that. And it's just really not, you know, it's almost like people initially think, oh, are people really rude? They slam the door in your face. And you're like, who slams the door in someone's yeah, face? No one's doing what that. person does that to him? Yeah. You know, it's just, it, it's, it's a lot of the fear is based on stuff that never actually That you happens, were projecting you know? onto ourselves. Yeah, people are actually really nice. I think the worst thing is that can happen is people are like condescending when they're just like, just not interested. Yeah. You know, you but it's, it's, no one's really mean. I have to say, like. Do you no. think there's an advantage to being a woman in this industry? I mean, I think hard work speaks for itself, um, just getting out there. I think there's a disadvantage with the fact that we might get into the door easier, but then people feel like, you know, they'll be like, oh my God, are you okay? Like, come in. <laughs> Sometimes, like, do you, hey, need take a, it. do you need a water? Like, what are you doing out here? One lady, it was like a Friday night, and I was shadowing with a rep, and her uh, husband came to the door and they were eating dinner. And so she like came running after us with a bottle of wine. She's like, you guys need to go out on a date. Like, here's this <laughs> wine. Like, it's Friday night and it was like kind of raining. And so we just laughed. She doesn't know that yeah. you like run it. You're like, But it was really sweet. So I think like sometimes people feel bad and they'll like let you in. Or um, if you don't know your stuff, you really have to, um, you know, I failed a lot. Like I would, people would ask me questions and I probably maybe didn't know the answer and then they lost trust in me. And the more that I practice and honed in on the skill, I think then people are like, okay, she knows what she's talking about. And so that trust factor was there because sometimes you can go in and, and people I think will waste your time because they just feel bad. Um, so that was like a disadvantage. Um, I was wasting time with people that were, I think just trying to be nice, but not really interested. And now I can kind of, um, more tuned into that and so if i can tell if they're really interested in the product or if they're just trying to go through the motions because they feel mm. bad for me <laughs> being how, at their door how much um work have you done on that process like the, how much practice and what's what was like your process and what is your current routine as far as like getting better at the job oh my god when i finally was like i need to do something because i started in january but I had my first install like in april and really you made it four months no yeah, I was like living off my permit pay. I was like, something has to change. So I would like literally practice for an hour for each like closing and put everything together. I was doing a lot more loan then. So putting um, the numbers together and just being very prepared. But then once I started doing that, I could do it like five minutes beforehand because yeah. I was so used to it. But that's that's what I would do. Who would you practice to? Just to yourself? Myself, or? yeah. Mm -hmm. Sometimes um, my brother like or my co-DMs at the time. 
Um, I would practice too. I still do sometimes. I remember Cole Everett, it was a, my largest loan account and we went over some questions and, you know, once you start doing them, you're like, this is actually a great thing for them. You start to believe it. So when you get there, it's just really, it's really easy because yeah. you believe it too. But if you're not prepared, that's like the whole thing. So to take the time, especially in the beginning. Yeah. It's, they say like in, in fighting, like if you're to get in like an altercation or even like competitive fighting or yeah. something like that that you think that you'll react a certain way, but you've heard the quote that you fall to the level of your training, right? And so it's like, it's weird that like, and you see it probably as a leader, but you'll teach a principle maybe like in a, in a meeting or something like that. And like, I see people like not writing stuff down. And I find that the best leaders and the best sellers are always the best students, right? Mm -hmm. Like you look at people that are like often like pretty wealthy. They're the ones that are seeking knowledge. They're seeking books. They're, they're seeking people out. And so every now and then I'll, I'll see somebody that like has sold like your level of accounts, like hundreds of accounts, hmm. talking about how to sell more accounts and people aren't writing it down. I'm like, this is free. Like, yeah, yeah master's soak, class. Yeah, soak this up. But then I, I always notice that back to the fighting thing is you think you'll have this clever response or you'll hear someone's pitch. You're like, oh, okay, that's good. I'm going to use it. But it's not going to be there when when you need it unless you've practiced it like those words you said you stuttered on your first door oh yeah i, I remember my, I was like shaking yeah I remember, but you probably heard <laughs> you probably heard a door approach you're like oh okay i got it and then you go to do it and you're like have i never spoken to a person before but until you've said the words a thousand times mm -hmm. they're not there when you need them but it's the biggest secret in direct sales is you can practice it you can visualize it and then just more people will do it mm -hmm. you know i mean i think you hit it on the head with um, the training here is so phenomenal. I would just try to absorb one thing that I learned that day, like on the Wednesday or Saturday calls and just go implement it that day, which is scary because it's something new. But the majority of the time, like the first time I would use it, it would, it would work. And then, you know, everything, everyone's process is different, but look at the things that work for you. And if it doesn't work, try something else, but failing, I failed a lot. And I think, if people, the first six months is like, even the first year is very hard, but if you can make it through that and you're going to learn through failing like over and over and over again, because things that I had done, I'm like, okay, now I shouldn't have done that or I should have been more prepared for this. You also don't want to like over, over prepare because you want to get out there and experience it for yourself. If you don't have the, the hands-on, you I don't think you're going to retain it as well mm -hmm. as if you're like home practicing. So mm submerge yourself in that like you're not gonna have all the answers but the answers that i do have came from like being on you know in a conversation in a home and not knowing the answer or you know not getting through to the next step because i didn't have the process in place and so that's how i i created the process that i that i have now and i still can learn so much more there's still so many people that i think um that outsell me like i look at what don gomez does and just but he closed like 20 accounts in one week. So he must have a much simpler process. I sometimes I feel like I take too much time. Um, so I'm trying to hone in on that now mm -hmm. and just be um, better with like time management. Well, your, your code. So I asked your co-DMs and um, also Cole, cause he, yeah. you and Cole obviously used to work together. Uh, I asked them, you know, I told them that we were going to have you on and Gosh. I asked them uh, for some fun <laughs> facts and like some different things. And, and um, they all view you as such an asset to the team. Yeah. And um, they talk a lot about the way that you're able to relate to reps on the team is just different from the way they can. Do you also feel like that's, a, do you feel like it's a strength and a weakness? Yeah, so I think the hardest part about being a district manager or manager, I feel like I'm more there to help them and guide them. But I have a hard time sometimes like coming down on somebody and being like, you didn't have a good week. Cause I know I don't like respond. I'd rather be like, what's going on? How can we help you through this? So sometimes I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. Um, but then other times I think that, um, you know, just last week there was a few reps going through some things. Life is hard sometimes and people, um, I think I'm good at like listening to them you know, I'm trying to even listen more to see like what people's struggles are because there's a lot of things that go on that can be hard. Um, I was listening to a podcast on the way up here and uh, they were 
saying that if you're not in the right headspace when you're on the doors, it's like really hard. Like, because it's a very emotional job to go out there and get rejected every single day. So you really have to be present in the moment, but like happy with what's going on in your life. And I see a lot of myself in these reps because it wasn't like, I think actually Jeff like put my combine thing up there and the numbers are just like perfect. And I'm like, that's not actually my score. I think he was just trying to be like nice to me <laughs> on my combine wall, but it's not accurate. Cause I didn't really start take off until May. I remember one Saturday I was like, I just like do or die. And so I like started at nine in the morning and I didn't stop till nine 30. And I was like, when they get five ACs, like the hard way when we had to get everything, um, I got four and then set three appointments, but that just like launched my solar career because I changed my mindset. But if I hadn't have given it my all those few months and had people there to like help me through what I was going through in my yeah. life at the time, I wouldn't be where I am. So I think I can relate a lot to what people are going through. And so I try to tell them about my experience, listen to what they're going through and just tell them that there is a silver lining. It's just, you have to put your head down and work and there is hope. So I feel like so many of our reps, it's almost like a, a teeter totter where they're like climbing up this hill and there's a fulcrum point where it tips and goes 100%. back down. Right. And I think so many of our, our reps quit before that point where the teeter totter turns downhill. And, um, was that that moment for you where you were like on this uphill climb and then all of a sudden you have a, a Saturday where you sell four welcome ac welcome calls basically yeah it was for and then me from that point um or was it like your first big paycheck or like what was that moment where <laughs> yeah. you all of a sudden got momentum and the confidence that you could do it so that that first install i think i still have the lowest baseball and like we write our first install and put the kilowatts and write sign our names and jeff puts it in the case but i think it's still the smallest one it was like a 3.4 and i was like my brother was like, each install is going to be around like two grand. I got to check for like $800. And I was like, oh, this isn't going to cut it. I was like, I got to get, and this is before what we get paid now. Mm -hmm. So I was like, that's kind of like when I was like, I really just need to get to work and create. Cause I think I was, I was getting good at creating, um, accounts, but I wasn't good at following up or creating like solid accounts. And with this job, time is money. People only have so many, you know, they have jobs too. So there's only so many, like we call it like golden hours that they have time to, to meet with us. So they have to be, if, you don't want people that are gonna like waste your time or create ACs for like the wrong reason. So I just started honing in on the people that were, I thought more like solid business. So I think that was like in May. And then also I was never asking for referrals or had a plan And your book, like helped me a lot and just listening to what, um, how you would like incentivize people to give referrals by like, if they all got CADs by their install. And so I started doing that and then, you know, following up with people, mm. so. I don't know if that answered your question. No, it is. You're one <laughs> of the ones that, like, again, like, you just take the, the knowledge and, and apply it, you yeah. know? How, uh, how routine of a person are you? Are you somebody that has a, a pretty, like, predictable and, like, intentional routine, or are you less that way? So I was really good. Um, when I first started this job, I had a trainer, Jack, and then I recruited him. He was the best trainer ever. Like a um, personal trainer? Yeah. That always happens. Like, you hire people, and then they get to know you, and then they're like... Jack Parra? I uh, know. Um, that's funny, Jack Parra. I love Jack Parra. Um, Jack Lanslin. He, mm. he doesn't uh, work for us anymore. But yeah, he was like, um, I think him and his uh, now fiance actually opening a gym. But yeah, so I would like wake up, work out with one of them and then and then go straight to the office. And then after like my back surgery, I just kind of let that go. And then never really, I actually did hire a trainer um, this time last year. And then COVID hit and all the gyms closed. Mm. And but so that was helpful. Like if I have to have like some kind of routine, um, Lisa, my girlfriend, she was getting up, um, going on the train to go into the city. She was working in the city at like eight, eight twenty was her train. So it'd be like stressful, like get her to the train, but then I'd just go straight to my territory and she wasn't returning until like eight thirty at night. So mm. we've, we had these like 12 hour days where I would just Good be work. working. So the routine was a little bit, um, better than so it's something that I'm like struggling with now I would say just to you know be honest um because I have to that's something that I've been working on and I think getting better at but it has to start with a specific time that's like one thing that's really important with this job or you're gonna just fall yeah well and it's always I think it's something you always have to tweak right like mm -hmm. you don't like my routine when I started in solar in 2013 would not work today 
but there's like more people in my family than there was in 2013. You know what I mean? Just, yeah. and your job has changed and COVID changed things and your health changes things. So I think that, I think it's important constantly. I personally, I always feel just more powerful, more, more confident when I have the routine, but it's funny because I think that we, we talked to all kinds of different people in the job and some people are like, yes, I'm on it. And some people are like, I need to get back on it. But I think it's something that you constantly have to adjust. Yeah, there's definitely been a lot of changes um, this year. And so that's one thing that we've been doing. Um, I know Jordan gave a great training about every Sunday going over like what you're grateful for, like what you could do better that week and what you could do better this week and just setting your schedule up like every Sunday. So I have been doing that now and things things are falling into line. But yeah, it's been a, a very interesting year as far as like being on a routine. But mm -hmm. when I am on a routine, like that's when everything yeah. in the world falls into place. You mentioned Lisa. Um, my one of my favorite videos Caitlin ever sent to me is um, <laughs> Lisa apparently got on this kick of buying succulent plants, like you know the little succulents. Dude, my wife got on that same kick. And um, all plants, though. Caitlin is like sends me this video, and she's like, "What is happening in my house right now?" <laughs> and she's like sending me all these videos of like succulent plants everywhere they just kept coming i was like how are you finding these she was like in all these plant groups on facebook and i have to she knows them all like by their latin groups. names they would send her like a clipping the thing looked like it would die and she would like propagate it and just grow all these babies i'm like we have too many plants i was like i was like can we just get the fake ones and then i would like it was just um it was getting to be a lot, but I, I sent him this video because he was talking about all the crystals one time. So I was trying to like relate to it, but she does a, I have to say, she's definitely got the green thumb and her place is beautiful. Oh, I sure that like yeah. my house is like Thneedville. Like, have you seen the Lorax? It's yeah. like plastic, pl we're just not around a lot. So it's like, plastic we want artificial turf, we want concrete, we want plastic <laughs> plants. And then we work in solar, you figure it out. Well, Caitlin always calls, she just calls, she refers to us hot babes and uh she'll refer to her on the group chats like yeah hot babes this or that whatever it sounds like i'm like really vain or just like you know it but it comes from this uh we met online and i had never met anyone online and so my brother and i were skiing we were on like a chairlift so i was like you know messaging her and he was like get, get off your phone like and i was just like Daniel, don't be jealous that I've been talking to hot babes online all day. Like from <laughs> like Napoleon long. Dynamite, yeah. like when Kip says that. And so, and then her dad just started saying it. And um, then everyone kind of just started saying it. So and I thought it was a little obnoxious, but I guess people are just going, going with, with it. it. But yeah, well, so. I wanted to, I, I wanted to ask you about this. Um, so Ariana Ryan's one of our DMs in Boston West. And she's the best. She's amazing, yeah. We need to have her on soon. But um, Ariana and Caitlin are uh, both openly gay and both female leaders in the company. And I believe mm -hmm. the only two openly gay leaders we have in our direct sales force. Um, you mentioned that you heard Ariana give a training on a conference call. But yeah. I, I, if maybe you can touch on that. But I also just wanted to ask you, like, what does that mean to you to be one of, if not the first openly gay leader we have in our direct sales force? Yeah, I mean, again, it's not, it doesn't have anything to do, I think gender or sexuality doesn't really have anything to do with like work ethic, like mm -hmm. we're all just people. But um, as far as like my becoming secure with myself, I grew up um, Catholic. I was in Catholic school from like kindergarten to senior year. That's why I was like, I think I have to go to Boston. I have to like go into a city. And mm -hmm. so I grew up very sheltered. Um, I also don't like pushing like my whole agenda on people. Um, it's kind of like solar. People have misconceptions of certain things, certain things. Um, and then I think once people understand it or get comfortable with it, because um, everyone has their different comfort levels, and I know some people are have their own religious beliefs. So I don't I'm not one to try to like change anyone's opinions. It's just like you know I'm happy. No matter who you're with in a relationship, whether it's like any relationship in your life, if that person is um, a, like a loving, supportive and like helps you grow as a person, like that's that's the most important thing. Mm. Um, and that's what Lisa does for me. Um, and that's just like what makes that's where I find my happiness. Um, and I think everybody has been so supportive. I just don't don't normally come out and just say like, hey, here I am and I'm gay. Like, you know, it's just like, I don't think that has really anything to do with like 
a work atmosphere. And then as you develop relationships and you um, become closer and there's Christmas parties and things like that, people start to know and I have no problem with it. Um, I know I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable, but I think that everyone's just been so supportive. But Ariana, um, she gave a a training on a Saturday call and it like made me cry, but she was talking about her struggles with it. Cause I've been very blessed with, um, my parents have always been very accepting of all of my family and friends. I think I made it a bigger deal than, than anybody mm. else. And it, it really wasn't anything. So, um, but her, um, being brave that day, I was like, wow, that like, I was, so, it was something that I would never have brought up. Like if I were giving a training. So I just, I'm really proud of her. I'm really grateful for her and just basically everyone at the company for just like, you know, loving me, loving her and like, but also like the people that we're with, you always make Lisa feel so welcomed. And, and so I don't know, I just feel very lucky, but I think the struggles with it are like more internal. Cause you just don't, you don't want to be different. Everybody just wants to like fit in and not like be a rarity, but I think it's important for people to just know that it's not really any different. It's just, you know, who you love and who you feel compatible with. And, you know, at the end of the day, like the person, like I wouldn't be where I am in my career without Lisa. Like she, I'm gonna get emotional, but, but she like really always believed in me. Like I was in a very toxic relationship before this and who was like judging me for going door to door. I think she was really wanted a title um, where Lisa told her parents, she's like, yeah, and Caitlin knocks doors and they're all so proud. And I'm like, why don't you just tell them I was like in solar? Cause I was just, and she was like, I'm so proud of what you do. It's so like, so difficult. Mm. Um, so she's been my, my biggest cheerleader. And, um, you know, we, we all have rough days on the doors. And so there's been times I've called her I'm like, no one wants solar. <laughs> just like, <laughs> I've asked <you> everybody, <laughs> no one wants it. It's over. The entire city. <laughs> Are jerks. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, you got this. Just and then, like the next door, I go and I saw the account. So it's, um, you know, she's been just a huge advocate for me in my personal life. Um, but yeah, I'm really happy, and I love that Vivin so ex- and Sunrunner so accepting. Well, I think that's the great thing about a meritocracy, where it's like, you know, I, I sit in a position where I, I we're, we're trying to grow the business constantly, as do you. So if you think about your team. Who do you want on your team? You want people that can produce and you want people that can help the team. And I feel like outside of that, because a lot of people have, you know, like different struggles, right? Like, okay, hey, it's, for me, it's say it's religion, sexuality, race, where you come from, accents, whatever. Like we're a very big and diverse company now, right? Oh my gosh, I know. And it's like <laughs> who I want on my team. Like I, 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 like, I appreciate what you said about it being more of an internal thing because from where I sit as a leader, I don't care about any of it. What I want is, can you produce well and can you help the team grow? And if you can, we love you and we want you on the team. If you can't, it has nothing to do with anything other than the fact of we need to help the teams grow. And I think that that's, it's almost like a, it's almost like a, a home for like-minded producers that maybe in the past other things have mattered, but here it really doesn't. It's, can you do the job and if you can, Awesome, you're in the family. If you can't, let's find you another place, but it doesn't have anything to do with the other things that sometimes weigh in. A society, like all the, like, it's the way you're like socialized to accept right. things. You think that they should be a certain way and it really just comes down to, I think like the endurance factor and just the work that you put in is a reflection of. What advice, and we'll end with this, what, what advice would you have for our, female sales reps that are just getting started with us? And is it any different than advice you would give to their male counterparts? I feel like we have more females in the office than ever, and I love it. Um, That's across the board. Yeah, we it's been like, really But we're just a big company now, so yeah. like, you know. It's an amazing well, opportunity. But it's, it's, it's women like Caitlin and Mackenzie mm-hmm. and Ariana, and, and there's a bunch on the West Coast that they've yeah. broken down these barriers these these mental barriers that it's possible for women to thrive and be successful in the company and the job but do you feel like there is a different um sort of i guess piece of advice that you would have for females specifically as they're getting started that will help them be confident they can be successful yeah i mean i looked at Mackenzie watts like the youngest and first female dm and she just 
which I knew it was possible just from, from her paving the way. So I have to give a shout out to her. Um, and then I went to a boot camp and she was there and I remember doing like door pitches and, um, and she came up and made me feel very welcome. So I would say to females, like if just make everybody feel welcome, like regardless like, of their gender. Um, but to realize that we can, like anybody can do it regardless of, you know, your gender, you can get out there and work hard and, and that's basically that all you have to do. It's not like, it has nothing to do with being a woman, but, um, sometimes I guess if you're the only one there, I, and for me, it was never like an issue because I like hanging out with the guys, like you guys are a lot of fun. Um, but to ask a lot of questions, like if there's something that you're struggling with, um, just to ask people that you've seen have success. Um, I think sometimes people will get nervous about asking for help. And I don't think there's a stupid question at all. Like, cause I asked a lot of people, that was one thing I just like constantly ask people for help. And so everyone in this company is there to help you get to the next level. So regardless of who you are, you can do it. I think um, there's so much at stake here. It's the most amazing opportunity. I wish I knew about it years ago, you know, um, but I'm so happy and grateful that I'm here now. So just to make the most of it and not to be scared. If you put the time in, good things are going to happen. So it's just, that's pretty much it. Give it a chance. And then there's going to be like some speed bumps in the road with anything new that you do. It's not going to come perfectly, but the more you do something, the better you get at it, like anything in life. So I would just say, give it a shot. What do you have to lose? You know? That's awesome. Well, Caitlin. I don't know if that was the most no. profound thing, but it's pretty as simple as that. <laughs> the simple things are the most profound things. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Um, well, Caitlin, it's, uh, I love working with you. You know that I love you and I know all your Codiums do as well. And uh, I've just always been so impressed with um, your energy and just like your positive vibes you always have. Um, and uh, you're one of the reasons I always look forward to coming to visit. And um, so uh, with that, I uh, really appreciate everything you do. And um, you. I think a lot of our listeners have gotten a lot out of this one. So thanks. Yeah. So um, everybody, thanks for listening to another episode of Electric People with Caitlin Axe. Thank you for having me, you guys. If you've liked what you've heard and are interested in joining our teams, check us out at viventsolar.com forward slash careers. If you enjoyed the podcast, please go to iTunes and subscribe. Leave us a great review and leave us a five-star rating. Thanks for hanging out with us today. This is Electric People. Take these principles and go be electric.